the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, we're pressing on in this revived series, Oh, That First Means That, begun last year in 2022, airing from January through September. Initially 31 programs, but in May of this year, 2023, backed by popular demand, we revived and resumed this series. We're on part 48. You can easily access the original 31 archived sessions along with these new sessions at faithtalk1360.com. Just search for local program podcasts. Friends, becoming detectives of the divine has been a hallmark of this series, and my hope is that our detective's cap, our spiritual magnifying glass, and our biblical sandals become critical and essential equipment as we prepare to conduct our investigation into the next piece of armor. We've also been dressing for the occasion, in other words, suiting up with our spiritual warfare wardrobe, because all this equipment and attire is crucial to protect us from cavalierly and authoritatively blurting out what we think a verse or a portion of scripture means. Friends, I'm of the conviction that many times we don't even realize we're imposing a personal or modern perspective on the verses we read. How is it that we so easily misuse scripture? Even Bible scholars were asked this question. They replied, declining biblical literacy. Ooh, questionable Bible translations and preachers who don't do their homework. Then shame on us. Now, I believe sincere Christians really do want to know what Bible verses mean, but often miss their actual meanings because they tend to focus on what they expect or want to find in the verses they read. Well, I'll confess, friends, it saddens me to see too many of us crave our spiritual quick fix, you know, squeezing in that little biblical morsel of bread for the day so we can get on with our own lives. But is this what God's word has become to us? Have we lost the drive to be certain we're doing the scriptures justice and in so doing disrespect the Holy Spirit? After all, the Holy Spirit is the author and inspirer of our scriptures. Won't investing a little extra time to observe the context and or the backgrounds of the Bible portions we read reap great rewards? 
You've already discovered this, I'm sure. What possible reward could be more satisfying than shielding ourselves from so easily and quickly abusing Scripture? Really, friends, doesn't it bother us that so far we've called 47 Bible verses that we've either treated indifferently or misunderstood, misjudged, misconstrued, misinterpreted, and then misapplied? Well, I'll continue to make my appeal. Why not revive a passion to more faithfully and more carefully inspect Bible verses? We think mean one thing, since we're discovering time and time again they mean something quite different. And friends, it's still true that I take no pleasure in pointing a spiritual floodlight on or get any glee from seriously reanalyzing Bible verses that are arrogantly misinterpreted by some of us pastors, teachers, and preachers. And you know why? Because the Bible has its own story to tell us, doesn't it? It's crying out, screaming out to tell us its story. But what are we pastors, teachers, and preachers, and even average Christians do? We force or manipulate the Bible to tell our story and why I say shame on us. Well, our scripture portion under surveillance today continues to be Ephesians six ten through 20, 11 rich, intense, and profound statements that are crying out, no, screaming out to reveal their story, a story we often orphan from one of the running themes of the entire Ephesian letter. I'm calling today's fifth session in this mini-series, Session E, Be Well Shielded, as our focus will be Ephesians six sixteen, the shield of faith, which actually requires us to define two terms, shield and faith. And today's text perfectly reinforces something I've been saying in this spiritual warfare series, that from time to time we should reconnect these 11 verses to the running theme Paul develops throughout his Ephesian letter. And why I suggested last time rereading Ephesians in one sitting, watching for thematic links to heavenly realms and the listings of ranks of angels, both elect and evil, and watching for Paul's spiritual parallels that eventually crop up in chapter 6. So friends, once again, I'll suggest you reread the book of Ephesians in one sitting, but this time, keep your eyes peeled for Paul's repeated mention of faith assisted by that spiritual magnifying glass in your back pocket. Hint, it appears eight times before chapter 6. This way you'll connect the dots a lot easier when you get to verses 10 through 20. You see, Paul is inviting his readers to track the otherworldly issues he's discussed along the way and how the spiritual pieces of the armor are vital to combat the opposing spiritual forces led by Satan and his demonic minions. You've heard me say that at first glance these 11 verses seem unassuming, even obvious or self-interpreting, we might even wonder why we're scrutinizing this portion in these sessions. But as I've shared before, our scriptures under scrutiny sometimes fit better into the category of discovering that the text means something deeper or richer, and not only something different. And at times our scriptures will be both, different and deeper. When we dig a little deeper into the Bible's wonderful languages, we discover that some keywords and concepts spring to 
life and expand our spiritual horizons. And so the reason I prefer to read all 11 verses of Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. This way we keep alive the broader theme of the spiritual battle we're in. Today I'll read from the Amplified Bible. But since the original 1965 edition underwent two successive revisions, 1987 and 2015, all three richly illuminating, I'm going to stitch them together to bring you the best of the best from each. Kind of like creating my own hybrid Amplified translation. I hope you find it as enlightening as I did. Be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from Him and be empowered through your union with Him. That power His boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor, for His precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers or forces of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere or places. Therefore put on the God's complete armor that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm, therefore, and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage, around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, integrity, an upright heart, moral rectitude, and right standing with God, and having strapped on your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, promptness, and readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Above all, lift up that protective, covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles, arrows, spears, or javelins of the wicked or evil one. And this is our verse for today, friends, the shield of faith. The text continues, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the Spirit wields, which is the word of God, with all manner of prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion, and in every season, in the Spirit. And with this in view, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, petitioning or interceding in prayer in behalf of all saints, God's consecrated people. And pray also for me, that freedom of utterance or words may be given me, that I may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of the gospel of salvation, for which I am an ambassador in chains in prison. Pray that I may declare it boldly and courageously as I ought to do. Wow, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? But a filling spiritual meal, right? Well, we're now in session E of our investigative journey of the armor of God, sizing up the armor of a first-century Roman soldier through the eyes of the Apostle Paul in prison in Rome. Remember, Paul lists these pieces of armor in one order, but we're unpacking them in a different order, a head-to-toe order, a top-down order. 
So, in session A, we covered the helmet of salvation. In session B, the breastplate of righteousness. Session C, the belt of truth. And session D, the sword of the spirit. The helmet protects the head. The breastplate protects the vital organs, specifically the heart. The belt of truth wraps around our midsection, symbolizing truth as our center of being and central in all we'd say, do, and live for. And the sword of the spirit wields the word of God when it's needed to counter our enemies, both human and demonic. In these past four sessions, we went into great detail on these pieces of armor, their meaning in the Roman military world and their meaning in our present spiritual world, including their Old Testament parallels. And if you missed any of these prior sessions and want to catch up or use them as a personal Bible study or with a small group, just go to faithtalk1360.com. Search for local program podcasts. This special spiritual warfare series began on August 17th. Podcasts are posted in date order. Well, once again, let's imagine the Apostle Paul chained to a Roman soldier, and he's gazing at this soldier from head to toe, sizing him up. The Holy Spirit chimes in and inspires Paul to picture a spiritual parallel to Christ followers and our battle in the earthly realm against our spiritual enemies in the heavenly realm. The Holy Spirit also inspires Paul to recall his own Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, and to parallel these pieces of armor with key statements made by God in the Old Testament. Early in our study, we unpacked Paul's use of schemes in verse 11. We went into great detail, but a quick review is in order here. Our English words method and methodology originate from this Greek word Paul uses. Think back to Genesis 3.1 describing Satan as a crafty serpent. Just so happens that schemes in Ephesians 6.11 also means crafty plus deceitful, well-organized evil, and well-crafted trickery. Its meanings are also investigating methodically to adopt a settled plan, cunning, wiles, strategically manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. Wow! I wonder, friends, if we organize our Christian lives around a settled and well-organized plan of action. Are we as methodical as Satan, our enemy? I kind of suspect that we're not and likely why we're defeated much of the time, perhaps why we lose many of our battles. We don't really prepare. We'd rather live a life of leisure, working our butts off for what we want, security and happiness. Do we put our helmet of salvation on before we leave home? Put our breastplate of righteousness on? Put our belt of truth on? Do we walk out the door with our complete armor on? Our warfare wardrobe? Or is it just left hanging in the closet? Or worse, strewn on a chair, rarely if ever worn. Friends, when when will we realize that Ephesians six ten through 20 assume we will suit up in the complete armor of God, conscientiously prepping to engage our enemy each day? Ephesians six ten through 20 also assume we will have a military mindset and actively train for these spiritual battles we'll encounter. 
Well, let's pause here a moment, friends. If you tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word. With me, your host, Pastor Tom. I value you as listeners to A Word from the Word that's listener-funded. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which also disciples Christians without a church home, plus those of you who may have been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Please join forces with me under Word from a Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. We'll repeat this info at the end of the program. Well, friends, I shared last time that Paul's military mindset when he referred to Timothy as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, and their duty was to please their commanding officer in Second Timothy 2. Jesus Christ. Paul also referred to his spiritual brother and co-worker in Christ, Epaphroditus, as his fellow soldier in Philippians 2. And in his opening greetings to Philemon, called Archippus his fellow soldier. The New Testament Christ followers didn't picture themselves in leisure suits. On the contrary, they looked and acted like soldiers in Christ's army, donning their spiritual warfare wardrobes, their armor. They were prepped for military action. Well, next down, instead of next up, since we're viewing the soldiers' pieces of armor from head to toe, from top to bottom, is the shield of faith. The full statement is, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, one of the closing statements is, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And while translations vary with evil one or just evil, and scholars are divided as to which is more accurate, my take on this is that in Matthew 4, the tempter is clearly Satan himself. And the close proximity of evil with temptation in the Matthew 6 prayer more lends itself to be translated the evil one. And the Apostle John in 1 John 5.17 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Here this term is properly translated evil one. Again in 2 Thessalonians 3.3 the term reappears when Paul says, But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. In the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, Jesus states, When anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. Jesus' interpretation of this parable in 1338 includes, The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. I believe it's logical to deduce that the evil one, the enemy, and the devil here are one and the same being. Well, the military backdrop here is rather interesting. The flaming arrows that are extinguished by the shield refer to an aspect of a Roman militia engaged in a battle. When fighting, Roman enemies often used arrows or spears filled with combustible or flammable liquid. These fiery arrows were designed to hit and burn the soldier. We could think of this as a first-century version of a modern Molotov cocktail. While a soldier's weapons collectively are designed to help him stand, his shield is the only weapon designated with a primary purpose to extinguish the enemy's flaming arrows. Fundamentally, a Roman soldier had two options for a shield, depending on the kind of engagement. The shield Paul mentions in Ephesians 6 is the larger one, and the root of this Greek word is door. 
So this shield was the size of a door with curved or rounded corners. It could measure four feet tall by three feet wide, virtually covering a standing soldier, and if need be, could be pressed into the ground to help him, quote-unquote, stand his ground, plus stand behind it fully protected. During certain formations, the front line of soldiers would kneel down and hold their shields horizontally and slightly angled up, while the lines of soldiers behind them would hold their shields horizontally over their heads, forming a roof-like structure to protect the unit from being hit by the enemy's flaming arrows. This Greek word for arrows also means spears and could also refer to a javelin. Some translations say missiles, likely because the picture created by a horde of flaming arrows sailing through the air at you could easily look like missiles. These shields were often made of wood and either covered with goat or calfskin. The rim was reinforced with iron strips. Sometimes the shields were covered with leather. It was a common practice for soldiers to soak their shields in water the night before a battle, so when raised to ward off the enemy's flaming arrows, the fiery tip would be extinguished, and the soldier kept from burning to death, even setting his fellow soldiers on fire. Now, friends, let me just say here that the phrase take up with reference to the shield of faith is in the active voice in the Greek language, which means that this is a choice each believer must make to do. In other words, we must make the decision to place our faith, our trust in God's word. Notice the close proximity the shield of faith has with the word of God in the text. And here's a great spot to identify the Old Testament parallels to God being our shield. There are many, so I've chosen the best. Proverbs 35 Every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Again, notice the link between the shield and the word of God. And this phrase, take refuge in Hebrew, means to confide in, hope in, put one's trust in. Friends, the Hebrew word for faith includes the idea of trusting in God. Psalm 3, 1 and 4. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-nine. Blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. Psalm 28, 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. Notice the link between the shield and trust, or faith. Is it any surprise, then, that the New Testament often makes a connection between temptation and the devil? Friends, it's not really rocket science to envision the devil's fiery darts hurled at us as temptations. After all, the devil's called the tempter. First Thessalonians 3, 5 says, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you, and that our labors might have been in vain. And Jesus' own temptation in the wilderness, Matthew 4 begins, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, Friends, if our Christian life was meant to be a life of leisure or a life of ease, the shield of faith would be superfluous, not needed. As Western American Christians, we've been living the American brand of Christianity too long. 
I recall when I moved to Arizona and began my first staff pastorate. After getting to know the families over my first year, one Sunday after church, I was chatting with a family, and the husband said, God owes me the American dream. I thought to myself, really? No, he doesn't. But I didn't say that out loud. Friends, what would be the point of the warfare wardrobe, as I call it? The spiritual armor, as Paul calls it. What would be needed to protect? Well, friends, I didn't forget to define faith, as Paul sees it in Ephesians, since he mentions faith eight times before chapter 6 and twice in chapter 6. In chapter 1, verses 13, 15, and 19, Paul rejoices that the Ephesians had heard the word of truth, the gospel, and came to put their faith in Jesus Christ, partaking of the power that came for the ride. In 2.8, Paul reminds them that through their response of faith to God's gracious offer of salvation, God was offering them a gift, one they couldn't earn or merit. In 3.12 and 17, Paul encourages their faith to grow despite his suffering and to abide in Christ with confidence, and that their faith must be connected to power and love and grow to its full measure. In chapter 4, verses 5 and 13, Paul reminds them of the uniqueness of the Christian faith, that there is only one faith, and they must work together to maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit and build each other up in their faith. Each local body of Christ must put on the armor of God and advance as a unified troop. We're not an army of one. So Paul counsels the Ephesians to guard and protect their community from the devil's onslaught and footholds, like the fiery darts of the five Ds, discouragement, delays, disappointments, distractions, and deceptions. Satan's darts are designed to reduce or destroy our faith. So our shield of faith must be held high to counteract these onslaughts. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of our program, and as promised, we'll close with an email where you may inquire about helping a word from the word, which is listener-funded. I love coming alongside you without a church home or you who've been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are posted at faithtalk1360.com, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net, we're heard in over 70 countries. Friends, if these teachings are helping you grow and nudging you to study God's Word more carefully, please invest in the mission of a word from the Word. Help us become fully funded. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.